0: Hello from Bohemian Geek Studies. We apologize for the delay due to the coronavirus, and we're excited to get into Matilda Chapter 9. As a quick heads up, my audio is a bit funky for this episode, and we didn't have a chance to re-record because of everything going on. Thanks so much for understanding, and I'm going to stop talking so we can dive into Chapter 9, as well as Flo's tips for independent study in light of COVID school closures, as well as parent-teacher conferences. So, without further ado, welcome ravenous readers and culture consumers to Bohemian Geek Studies.
1: The place where nerdy knights gather together to distribute quarantine supplies and PPE and share our insatiable thirst for intellectual discussions about our favorite books, shows, and movies.
0: My name is Sarah O'Connor, Queen of Queries, Lady of Literature, and Defender of Droids.
1: And I am Will Lee, Grammarian Inquisitor, Lord Charcuterie, and Keeper of Lengthy Records.
2: And I'm Flo, Ambassador from Naboo, Chudley Cannon's aficionado, and Manager of Mischief.
0: Last week, we witnessed Miss Honey attempt to reason with the dreaded Miss Trunchbull and get Matilda into a classroom better suited for her academic level as we took a detailed dorky dive into Chapter 8 entitled The Trunchbull. This week, we explored the theme in our final part in our three-part series, Class is Now in Session, Subchapter, Open Ears, Open Minds. And Flo, why in this three-part series is it kind of necessary to give an extra disclaimer to this closing section in our three-part series?
2: Well, I think in this chapter we really see Matilda's parents just completely shut down on Miss Honey. And so we decided it would be important to note the need to be open and flexible in listening to teachers, particularly now, but also always.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And for our kind of new language for our disclaimer, as a friendly reminder, each episode of Bohemian Geek Studies is meant to be enjoyed by everyone. But we encourage you, especially if you're a parent, to listen to the episode first without younglings to make sure it's right for the whole family. With that in mind, let's get going to the summary of the chapter. Flo, take it away.
2: Now that we've met Miss Trunchbull and explored some of our favorite queries and tinfoil theories about this formidable character, we turn to chapter nine, where we see Miss Honey leave the giantess's office, determined to help Matilda, even if she doesn't have the administration's support. Top on Honey's headhunting list is presenting her star pupil Matilda with a plan to advance the rigors of Matilda's academic pursuits. Matilda politely thanks Miss Honey and goes straight to Hermione Grangering, a nice geometry textbook for a bit of light reading. Meanwhile, Miss Honey makes another decision. She decides to pay the Wormwoods a visit and have a secret talk to hopefully unite against Miss Trenchbull and overcome the rules against advancing students behind their years into a higher grade. Her expanding hopes for a bright future, honing an even brighter mind, are quickly dashed and diced, which we shall soon see as soon as Matilda's parents and kindergarten teacher meet.
1: Thank you, Flo. With that excellent summary in mind, let's explore some of the most pertinent passages in Chapter 9, entitled The
0: Parents. about the admirability of a brave teacher. Now, some of this we talked about a little bit last chapter when Miss Honey confronted Grunchbull. Flo, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the admirability of knowing when no doesn't mean no,
2: you know? I do know, (laughs) you know? So yeah, teachers definitely get told no a lot. And we kind of have to parse out when no is a solid no and when no is a, just don't tell me about <laughs> it, but kind of do it anyways. So oftentimes in my school, at least we say it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission because a lot of times the answer is no at the administrative level, but we still have to do what's right by our students. So we just kind of take it upon ourselves and go rogue and do what needs to be done. And that's exactly what Miss Honey is doing here. She's like, okay, I just got a no from the trench bowl. That doesn't actually mean no to me. It just means like I can't go through the right channels to be doing this. So I'm going to do covert operation, go get her some textbooks and just run with it anyways. And then if somebody finds out, I'll deal with that later. But my big thing was like, how is she getting all this time? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. what? I can barely go to the bathroom during my prep break. So it's like she must have like a 45 minute prep while the kids are outside unsupervised. Or a time turner. Either way. (laughs) (laughs) that or that
0: yeah <laughs> and i i like the comparison that you drew to house gryffindor because of this bravery and and as kind of a time capsule for where we are in history gosh are we astounded at what teachers are doing across the nation and across the globe thank you coronavirus i mean the we'll talk about this a little bit more when we're talking about kind of things that you can do, dear parents, dear students, who are in a completely different situation, but the fact that we have gone from in-house to completely virtual in a in a blink of the eye is totally admirable. And the tenaciousness of Miss Honey in literature, wow, is it, it's horrible that it has to happen, but it's lovely to see it happening in real life when when we need those Gryffindors to rise up
2: yeah teachers are a sturdy bunch we uh we just kind of do what needs to be done we get in there and we get dirty and that's just what we're made to be doing so thank you for yeah, that doing so. the
1: whole homeschooling or i'm sure other people are doing the distance learning thing does make me appreciate teachers all the more i mean uh I don't know how many, how many memes I've seen on Facebook, right, about how like, holy, holy cow, we have to be, we have to pay the teachers now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank
0: you. We'll take it. So now let's talk about the humility of a smart student. Dahl writes about Matilda, quote, she seems very quiet and gentle to me and not a bit stuck up in spite of her brilliance. In fact, she hardly seems aware of it. And I'll just say, as someone who was very loud at times, I confess to have sometimes been a quote-unquote gunner, which is the law school colloquialism for raising your hand if teacher-teacher has a question.
1: Yeah, same. And having been through law school, I'm very well familiar with the term gunner. Um, I, I was an occasional gunner, I would say. For the most part, I was content to just sit back and listen to the professor, but certain classes I couldn't help myself
0: I never liked leaving a teacher hanging like fortunately no, there were a few true. others who were more pure than I was in it but <laughs> yeah. I hated leaving a teacher hanging <laughs> hmm
1: and I don't know if it, this was your experience in law school but there were I think in every law school class and maybe in every class there are people who you just get the sense that they're really smart and they're just kind of sitting in the background there yep. actually the the best example I can give is actually the guy who was my valedictorian or the, the 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 number one guy in in our law school class. Nobody expected it of him. You know, everybody knew he was smart. He was on law review, but he wasn't a gunner. Uh, he didn't raise his hand in class. He was just this unassuming, nice guy. Aww. And he's awesome. I, I I really liked him, Pat Chamberlain. Wherever you are, I miss you, dude. Uh, I Aww. hope you're listening to this. <laughs>
0: And Flo, how about you? Did you see the kind of Victorian that Will went to school with? Did you see some of the showy-showy? What's What's it like inside the battlefield of the classroom these days? Yeah,
2: I mean, we definitely have some kids who are what you guys are referring to as gunners. <laughs> um, yeah, first grade is particularly a show-offy age. They really like to make up lots of different things they can do. And even when they can't do it or have never done it or have no idea what something even means, they're going to pretend like they do, which is yeah. great. That's sarcasm. and <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, you're right. There are some like really quiet kids who are just quietly being smart. And that's that's Matilda in a lot of ways. And to me, that's one of her greatest strengths and her most admirable quality, especially if we compare her to say like, Hermione from Sorcerer's Stone who is such a gunner and can't relate to her peers Classic because gunner. she's just like over here hogging all of the teacher's time and just being a, an insufferable pain honestly. Or then you
0: you go as far as Snape when you forget how to have social interactions at all. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of being unable to have proper social interactions, let's head to the Wormwood household where Miss Honey confronts Matilda's parents about what they do and don't know about their daughter's prodigious gifts. Mrs. Wormwood confesses, quote, of course I knew she could read, the mother said. She spends her life in her room buried in some silly books, and she just really seems to want a physically beautiful, daft daughter Quoting, I'm not in favor of blue-stocking girls. A girl should think about making herself look attractive so she could get a good husband later on. Looks is more important than books. Oof, Miss Hunky.
2: Wow, how do we feel about that? My students, like, audibly gasped at that part. It was honestly (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's exactly... the Mrs. Wormwood that we've been seeing. It's just this very shallow, superficial, very interested in her looks. She kind of like reminds me, like if this was happening right now, she's kind of like one of those housewives of New York City, but just like with less money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just like doesn't really care about anything besides having dinner parties and watching soap operas and wearing fancy clothes and that's about it. And that's not Matilda at all, like. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how the apple fell so far from the tree.
1: You know, setting aside kind of our various headcanon theories about about Mrs. Wormwood, it, she just seems like this kind of character who has has kind of given up to some extent or just become incredibly narrow minded to the extent that she she values what she values, right? And that's pretty much it. Any, anything outside of those, it's just a waste of time.
2: That's so much yep. more charitable than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> And so she
0: mentioned this blue stockings girl thing. And when I was young, kind of with some of those phrases, it just zipped right over my head. But but now that we're BGS, we're doing a vocab moment here to explain what this means. And the Blue Stocking Society was actually a literary society led by Elizabeth Montague, and others in approximately the 1750s in England, based on our online research. Elizabeth Montague was an absolute anomaly in the society because she took possession of her husband's property when he died. Remember, once upon a time, women weren't allowed to own things, and so this was the reality. And this allowed her, because she had, guess what? Money, to make an impact on the world. And this society was founded by women, but included some prominent members of English society, both male and female. And so this is a woman with considerable scholarly literary and intellectual ability or interest. But Mrs. Wormwood shoots this down as appalling. And so it's this very interesting dichotomy of a woman who is very much, at least from our reading, in a situation that she doesn't want to be in. Trying to make the best of it in some sort of criminal capacity and refusing to allow her daughter's talents to shine based on her own prejudices. Not a good mom. Look.
1: It is really interesting though that you, like you said, I I glossed over this term. I think most people do, and it it, it makes me wonder if how how common this is as uh, as kind of a slang or just kind of a known entity in in british society Mm. i mean if you i i don't even know what the equivalent would be for for americans right i don't know it's kind of interesting to think about that that mrs wormwood is tossing off this kind of like deep cut like where's this coming from but maybe if it's like a more common insult it's not it's not that surprising
2: does miss honey have patience for the wormwood's attitude what do you think flo would you have patience no, she's over it. I'm over it. Just listening to it myself. I'm just like, okay, just get out of my face, lady. I did one time have a parent-teacher conference where somebody got in my face like this and was ridiculous and literally to my face said, well, next year I hope my child is a nice teacher. Ooh. Yeah. So some parents like spit venom like this all the time. And it it's crazy that what people feel entitled to tell teachers specifically, yep. like I would never presume to go to a doctor and be like, no, actually, like, you're not doing your job right. So let me tell you how to do it. But people do that to teachers daily, on the daily.
0: Yep. And so we will caution with Miss Honey slash Doll's words, quote, do not despise clever people, Mr. Wormwood, but I see we're not going to agree on one thing we can agree on in light of where we are currently. We need a coronavirus independent study plan. So if you're a parent and you have some students, please stay tuned. If you don't and you're like, wait, that's not applicable to me. Guess what? You have friends, you have family. Please stay tuned. Please listen as we dive in deep with one of the teachers who is doing it daily as Flo teaches us all about how to handle this a little bit better.
1: And I'm so pumped here to 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 learn um from Flo because man, I'm in deep I'm in deep waters right now, I can tell you that. So yeah. You're
2: sending you some good yeah, life. I'm already feeling, feeling it's been it. like
1: <laughs> it's been like four days. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Because, uh, going back to Matilda, because of her brilliant mind and the unfortunate circumstance of her having to stay in kindergarten, Miss Honey provides her with some independent study options and in the form of a huge stack of textbooks. For 2020, it may not seem like the most enthralling way, but this is exactly what Matilda likes. It's what she, she's used to, frankly, um, and it works great for her. And it's uh, it's the only kind of study that she's ever done, um, other than some Uh, similar guidance from Mrs. Phelps, the librarian.
2: Yeah, so independent study can be an amazing tool if the student has the right temperament and support. I mean, some kids are not cut out for independent study at all. Like, I just want to put that out there, and it's not a diss on anybody. It's just like, that's just not the right thing. They need a social environment. Like, my daughter Charlotte is not going to do well at home she loves being around and that's happening
0: soon
2: yeah yeah there's tons Mm -hmm. of kids who are just like dying to see each other and like my students i'll get into it later but they've been on zoom and every time they see each other it's just like this explosion of joy because they miss that social interaction
1: it is really cute to see those screenshots of this those like 30 kids on zoom though it's kind of cool
2: it is really cute
0: and shouts to teachers like you, Flo, and others who do, like, cool dress-up or, like, do a dance introduction. Like, thank you so much for giving some silver lining to some really gray growth. Uh-huh.
2: Right now. We just got to keep it light because it's dark out there. The kids are scared. The kids are nervous. They're really, I mean, we had a big coronavirus talk in my classroom before we left um, for distance learning. But the kids voiced very clearly how worried they are for their grandparents um, specifically. And so that's been really difficult to deal with. But back to home study. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things, like you were just saying, Sarah, that can really help with independent study is having a great teacher or a tutor who provides that varied material and interesting projects that are linked to the work. A supportive home environment like the one Will is undoubtedly providing is also Mm. crucial. No, you are, Will. (laughs) You so are.
1: Maybe I'll get there
2: one (laughs) day. You will. You're already there. Really, we're looking for one that provides care, guidance, space, and time, quiet, and more importantly, snacks. Snacks are very, very important in home study.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Hufflepuff your home space up. That's all Mm. I have
2: to say. Hufflepuffs are probably the best at home study. Go get yourself a Hufflepuff. (laughs) Those of us on the BGS team with kids are not homeschool parents but the great homeschooling that i've seen involves incredible i would say nearly superhuman parents who create absolutely oh my god it's ridiculous especially the people who've got more than one kid i'm like i don't even know mm-hmm. how you're running your life right now just remember
0: folks an actual viral pandemic is happening and we're still we're still moving forward we have so to.
2: Yeah. We have to. Whenever you're like, I am failing, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're proud of you. Oh, totally, totally. And I see so many parents just shining on social media and just doing the uh-huh. absolute best yeah. they can. And it's just it's great to see. It makes teachers a little bit nervous about their jobs, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, That's been like a okay. huge And we thing. should
0: talk about that. Yeah. We should talk about that after this segment totally, for
1: totally. sure. But I do think it's really cool. I've I've been I've been reading too much about you know the coronavirus and all that stuff, but it's it's really nice to see a lot of media cover kind of the the mental health aspects of of this whole thing, including I've seen several really yeah. great articles now about how parents you know shouldn't shouldn't try to do too much, um, and it's and teachers, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> it's like just because they're doing it now, this is a right. blessing. This is not an expectation. Yeah, that's a PSA. Totally.
1: But but anyway, I thought that I, I, th- I think if there if there is a silver lining or maybe even several silver linings, it's 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 an increased awareness of this community and what other people's lives are like and, and putting yourself in their shoes. And so that's,
2: you know, totally. And every family situation is so different. It's so hard to prescribe this home study because. Like for example, for me, like I'm not doing Zoom lessons because Mm -hmm. I have some parents who are still working and they can't log their kid onto Zoom at the right time. It's just, it's not possible. So you've got to be flexible. And um, I just think these parents are doing a great job at putting schedules out there, allowing their kids to explore on different topics, giving them independent time to work and plenty of opportunities to be creative. To me, like that's the most important. But here's the thing, student buy-in is critical. If a student doesn't want to work, they won't work. Trust me. I know I've had a lot of six year olds look me in the eye and calmly say no to me when I tell them to open their handwriting book. It happens every day, especially at the beginning of the year when they don't know me. So Flo, I hear you asking, how do I get a student to work? Great question. This is the
1: part <laughs> where I'm tuning in. We, All we right.
2: Well, take some notes. Take some notes. Yeah. So there's a couple ways a student's going to work for you. The first is they'll work to please you. Usually the teacher will get more work out of a kid than a, tu- than a parent specifically because we just have a different relationship with the kid. But you can do it as a parent. A good relationship is like the number one motivator for students. They want to please you. They want to do well. No kid wants to be yelled at or... You know, have that, like, face of disappointment show up on their parent. (laughs) Like, it's not good. The silent Um, and deadly. (sighs) Oh, yeah. That that was my dad. He would just look at me like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) (laughs) uh-uh. Kids, like all of us, they don't like to be berated or yelled at or nagged. So the key is telling and not asking. You're literally taught this like day one of teacher school. And <laughs> teachers, they struggle with this all the time because uh-huh. you feel like asking is it just a nicer way to it's, be doing it. Like, it's oh, will would you like to clean your room now? Right. Right? But You can say things in a telling way (laughs) where they can't just say no. Because if you say, like, would you like to do your math homework now? They're going to say, no, thanks. I don't. And you're going to be like, oh, well, now I'm stuck because I asked them a question (laughs) and they answered it. Yep. But what you meant to say was, it's time for math homework now. Open up your workbook, and when you're done, we can play outside. Right. And there's the other key. You need to have an end point to the work. Yes. At school that looks like our schedule, right? Mm-hmm. They know like, okay, writing is until 9.30, 9.30 is snack time. I can make it till 9.30. <sighs> right. I just need to be doing this now. At home, it's like a little bit more wooly because they're in their environment and like their room is there and their toys are there. So you need to set like a very clear end point. Like after you finish your math pages, we can go, you know, throw a Frisbee around or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And most kids can't tell time especially right. young kids. So even if you're like, well, 11 o'clock is lunchtime. They're going to be like, it could be 11 now. I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. I, can I mean, they count to 11. Yeah. So Like
1: Charlie's always hungry. So anytime he's hungry, it's lunchtime. So, I mean, D- exactly matter, right and this, I, I, this goes back to what you were saying about snacks
2: oh yeah snacks vital yeah i say just like always have a snack give them like an <laughs> almond for every page they do or whatever it is i like it because they will work so much harder for you for that like ridiculous tiny snack
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm getting some ideas i like this
2: good 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 yeah now, we do have like a very, very, very small group of students who work to please themselves. That's Matilda. Matilda mm-hmm. works to please herself. That's her to a T. And because their work is a passion project, so they don't need any outside influences to tell them to do it. Kind of sounds like us here at BGS. Yeah, just, just doing a little, little bit. <laughs> yeah. So Matilda, her passion project isn't Star Wars or books or or really Books aren't even Matilda's passion project. Learning is her passion project. Yeah, She is like so ridiculously into learning. It's beautiful. And she does it with no outside push at all. So I think we can probably all think of a great school project where we went above and beyond because you love the topic and you just wanted to keep doing that part of your homework because it was the best part. For me, that was always when my teachers made me like, role play a character and then like write a diary entry or something that's cool i I was like definitely the kid who was like oh my gosh i have to like tea stain this paper and burn the edges now because like (laughs) it's gonna look better (laughs) hence why i'm a teacher so matilda somehow thanks to her incredible mind she's able to study independently despite her home situation but she is super lucky to have a teacher like Miss Honey who gives her that space and time within the classroom and the school day because there's no support at home. There's no other place for Matilda to be doing this learning. I mean, we've already seen Mr. Wormwood rip up a book so he could easily do it again with you know, this new geometry or this French book or whatever Miss Honey gave her. So as you're listening to this in the year 2020, March 2020, um, you may be currently doing independent study or guiding a loved one through independent study as many U.S. schools are closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. I am currently teaching my first graders remotely right now.
1: And with an outfit for each day.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been uh, dressing up in a different costume every day to keep it light. And it's been very fun. Today was the 80s which they didn't know what that was. So they just thought I was just wearing crazy colors. For no reason. Which is a nice callback
0: to which time, what time is it now? 11 o'clock? Doesn't matter. It's lunchtime.
2: 11, the 80s. I don't know. I can't, can't count to 80, even by 10s. So it's fine. <laughs> um, but it's, been, it's been quite a shift. So like Will was saying, it's super cute to have these Zoom meetings with my kids, but it's not ideal because I mainly talk with a lot of stuffed animals shoved in front of the webcam as they're like showing me their room and their house. I had one kid today with a snake on his head because that's his pet snake. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) So it's been great to see them in their environment, but it's not the ideal way to be delivering instruction. Yeah. And Uh I know like Will, even though you are qualified, a lot of you may not feel qualified to be teaching a child at home. And we on the BGS team are here to reassure you that yes, you can, you can do this. You are not a Wormwood. You are a Miss Honey. You can provide your student with care and love and a schedule and routine and listen to their passions and encourage them. And if the math workbook isn't cutting it, just change the word problem to fit to their liking. It doesn't have to be six flies on a leaf. That was the problem in my math workbook yesterday. Just change it. It can be trains in the station <laughs> or like Charmander's in the Poke Center yeah. or owl in the Owlery. It can be anything. So just take their lead. The kids are going to be all right. Trust the teachers. It's going to be fine. And if you'd like ideas for independent study or activities to do at home during this time of social distancing, please, please, please check out our Twitter, at Geek Studies, where we've been compiling a lot of resources just for you. Yeah, there's a ton of them on there. When
0: Flo politely says we... We actually mean she. This is a fantastic teacher who is taking additional time, despite her responsibilities, despite having her own little Matilda at home, getting this out there for all of you guys, whether or not you're directly her students or not. As part of the BGS team, you are. And so we want to give you those tools to not just laugh and relax, but to plan and prepare. Shift to our next segment, we're just going to give a passing little friendly wave to our tinfoil section because, frankly, we've noticed here at BGS that there's enough tinfoil theories floating around out there about the coronavirus. So this week, we're done and skin-tired of tinfoil and getting straight to some tips in our thoughts to think on closing segment on parent-teacher conferences. Whether or not we get to do them live next or uh, online is yet to be seen. And in addition to combat some of the rampant xenophobia we've seen, we're also, and again, we mean flow, will be posting resources for Asian American literature on Twitter because representation, 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 and destigmatization are so abundantly necessary and needed right now. Without further ado, let's get straight to our closing segment, thoughts to Think On.
2: Yeah, so our thoughts to think on today is basically me giving you a PSA on what to do for parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll,
0: I'm pretty much going to be sitting this out and we'll get a little bit of uh, Will's thought to the extent he's able to share as a parent. So I'm just here as the referee sitting back.
2: Perfect, yeah, you're the moderator. <laughs> <laughs> um, so actually to Sarah's point, I just finished my parent teacher conferences on Monday. It is now Friday as we're recording this. And my first batch of conferences for this round of conferences were in person. We were still at school. And I got through 11 of those, but I had four left. And those had to be done over the phone. Um, I did two on the phone. I had one over email and one I just told me to just skip it until we're back at school, Mm -hmm. which at this point our governor has told us probably will not be until the fall. So it's going to
0: be a beat.
2: (laughs) It's going to be a while, but... I mean, obviously, this parent knows I'm here if she wants to talk at any point, so it's fine. But yeah, conferences are looking super different. So please like understand these tips are more broad. They apply to most conferences, whether they're in person or virtual. And I have narrowed them down to five. It was hard to narrow them <laughs> because I have a lot to say. <laughs> um, but here we go. So number one, come prepared with questions or comments. No teacher wants to sit there for an extra amount of time while you actually read the report in front of them. The report will probably have been sent home, whether it's a report card or some sort of conference report, which is what we give. So please, please, please review those at home. Make some notes on them that you've jotted down some thoughts so that we're not wasting our precious conference time with you reading or being ridiculous. Number two, this is extremely important. Do not let your conference be your first interaction with the teacher. <laughs> I hate, 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 hate meeting parents for the first time at conferences. Our conferences are traditionally in like the beginning of November and then the beginning of February or like mid-February. So if I haven't met you until November, there's a problem. Like Preach a teacher. If you can't... <laughs> Like, I mean, we've had a lot of opportunities. We've got like open houses. Mm -hmm. You can come pick up your kid. You can send me an email. You can make an appointment. So if something has been bugging you, especially, please let your teacher know immediately. Parents will just like let things fester. They won't say a thing. And then at conferences, they're going to unleash their wrath on you, blindsiding the teacher. It can be like, I mean, honestly, it can be a really unsafe situation. Oftentimes, teachers wow. will not meet with certain families mm-hmm. without having an administrator present because we feel unsafe.
0: Wow.
2: So, it's, I mean, most of us are like, well, specifically in lower school, most of us are women. Yeah. And a lot of the irate parents that we get are men. And they can like really get in our face. This is not to like generalize, but it can get really scary. I've le- had parents like hurl insults just like walk into my class and Make crazy assumptions about what's been happening in there. So, please, if you like, if your child has said something at home that didn't sit right with you, please just check in with the teacher. It could be that something was said after school that has nothing to do with the teacher. I had one parent, this is like, this is a true story. I'm not even joking. This doesn't even have to make it into the episode, but this is like the craziest. <laughs> Sarah story. presses record harder. <laughs> <laughs> when I was teaching second grade, I'm sure they're not listening, so it's fine. I had I started my class, like my kids had come in, they had put down their stuff, and a parent literally barreled into my room, said, I need to talk to you outside immediately. I've got 15 kids inside the door, but I had, I had to be pulled outside. And she looked me in the face and said, why have you been teaching my daughter about Mexican killing squads? And I was just like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> oh, turns out this kid had heard something from another kid at after school. And this parent assumed that this was part of my curriculum in second grade. And it was just the craziest thing ever. So if you hear something, just email the teacher in a kind, professional way. Get it cleared up. Do not save it for conferences. It's not the right time. And and
0: I'll say, as someone who has no skin in the game currently, if at your next parent-teacher conference meeting, you arrive and see an administrator in the room, there are two ways you can look at it. One as a gift, more people who care about your kid, or two, a moment of quiet self-reflection that perhaps you'll have when you go home as to how we maybe got into this situation. And that's all I'll say about that.
2: Yeah, some self-reflection is vital at that point. <laughs> like, All right, moving on to number three. Listen, listen, listen. This is what I always say. You're the expert on your child but I'm the expert on that grade level. I'm the expert on first grade. You for sure know your kid better, but I see them at school for eight hours every day. And kids at school are completely different than kids at home. So just believe that I may know a different side of your child than you see at home, and that's okay. We're here to teach the whole child together. We're a partnership. I need your side of the story, but you also need my side of the story. So do not ignore us. Do not just wave us off. We are experts in our field. Just trust that we know how six-year-olds or 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds are supposed to behave. And if there's a problem, we need to fix it together. And I'm
0: going to jump to conclusion here. But if your kid is at the age level or the emotional level where they say in response to, so what happened at school today? Nothing. That's another time where perhaps those eight hours included more than just nothing that, again, the teacher would know better. (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, usually 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 we don't just do nothing, but (laughs) this leads me right into communicate openly. I cannot tell you the amount of things I learn at parent teacher conferences that should have been told to me in September. There was one conference again, when I was teaching second grade, that was a hard year (laughs) all in one year (laughs) at the parent teacher conference in March, a parent told me that their child had Tourette's. And it's like, I needed to know this months ago. Mm -hmm. Now, luckily this student was like totally fine and had a super mild case of Tourette's, but it would have helped me understand so much better how to address this child and how to make sure it wasn't being stigmatized in the classroom. It's just, it's so, so, so important. So tell teachers everything, even if it's embarrassing, even if you don't want to tell them. I had another parent who in June... Like That's late. probably four days <laughs> probably for four days before school ended. We were talking about her son potentially having a memory issue because he just wasn't retaining reading instruction. Mm-hmm. And she told me that he didn't receive oxygen for several months Aww. in the womb. And like I would have never known that. Yep. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't read your mind. I don't know your medical right. history. You need to tell us these things because we can help. If there's a history of dyslexia in your family. If your dog died, if um, grandma just moved in, we need to know these things. We can give kids extra love. We can make sure that we're reading appropriate books that won't trigger things. Um, And also, if you are traveling out of town, you need to let us know. (laughs) Every single time, every year without fail, mom will go out of town or dad will go out of town for two weeks. All of a sudden, the kid's behavior will be ridiculous Mm -hmm. in the classroom. I'll call home and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've been gone for a month. Yep. And it's like, oh, like, oh okay, that's why. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that explains it perfectly. Speaking right. as a kid who that
0: speaks to, yeah, it, it just tell the teach.
2: Yeah, we just need to know because that kid clearly needs extra help. Like maybe there's nobody at home making their lunch right now and they've been like trying to pack their own lunch and here I am like, why are there only Cheez-Its in your lunch? When like, that's the best that they could do. Like I can provide more emotional support if I know. Yep. And finally, Number five on my top five list, do not monopolize time. We are people. We have a set amount of hours in the day. Conferences are short. Don't truncate yourself, but don't assume that you're the only parent that the teacher needs to meet with or that they don't have obligations at home to get to. I have a two-year-old. I have an hour commute. I need to get home. My conferences are a half hour. You need to stick to your allotted time. And if you need to discuss it further, I'm happy to make another meeting with you. But it's just common sense, basic politeness. Don't go over your time. And also, please be on time. That's my little extra number six. Just be on time.
0: So, Will, since you're now going to be speaking on behalf of all parents everywhere. No pressure. No pressure. pressure. How how are you feeling in light of this list or like? I, I almost wish we had, like, a pre-list will, a post-list will. Uh-huh. How's, how is it for someone who has no idea the pressures of teaching at this age and having a kid at both of mm-hmm. your phases?
1: Well, so just a little bit of background. So my son is at a Montessori school, and we actually just had his first um, parent-teacher conference a couple of months ago. And I really could have used some of the, the things on this list. <laughs> um to tell the truth i mean not not all of it like i didn't like it wasn't the first time i talked to this teacher uh but you know but
2: were you on time oh yes yeah okay I was on then time. you're fine on time.
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that you said flo that really resonated with me was the idea that i'm an expert about my son charlie but the teacher is the expert about what he should be doing at the age and at the grade level and that it's kind of a partnership and you work together to address any problems or to exchange information and all this good stuff because one of the things it was it was my first parent teacher conference um and one of the things that i could feel myself doing kind of emotionally as the teacher was telling me um about my son and how he was doing in class um and what things that he could kind of look forward to as goals, um, and things that he was doing great and things that he could improve on. I could feel myself getting defensive. Right. And I had to kind of like, think about this and be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. She's the professional. Like I should listen to this. (laughs) And, and, and that, that item on your list flow really resonated with me because I think it's super important. I think a lot of parents just never think about it that way because they just think about it as like, Oh, my kid's my kid. Right. And and why should I listen to this person who's with my kid like a bunch of hours in the day? Like, I know them. I know them perfectly. Like, I know exactly who they are and what they need and what they uh and, you know, what they can accomplish when, in fact, yeah, it's it's we're all in this together. And so maybe you should listen to that person. So
2: one of the things that I found, because I think you're absolutely right. I think a lot of times parent teacher conferences feel like we're judging the Mm -hmm. parents on their parenting and we're not at all. That's not at all what what this is coming from. It's not a place of judgment. It's just a place of straight analyzing what your child is doing. So one of the things I've learned in my nine years now in the classroom is, (laughs) is reframing what I'm saying to really focus on the kids. So the way that I always frame it is I'll tell the families. All the things that they need to know. And I'll say something like, I'm so happy to be on Team Charlie with yeah. you. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because that's really what it is. It's a team for the child. It has nothing, you could be the best parent in the whole world, and your kid could still not be gripping a pencil properly. And that's okay. We have tips and tricks for that. Mm-hmm. We just need your support at home to match what we're doing at school. The other thing I always say is, is there a certain language that's working for you at home? And can I mirror that nice. at school? Ah,
1: interesting. And
2: alternatively, like, here's some language that we're using in the classroom. You might want to try incorporating that into what you're saying at home so that we've got matching language. So it's just teeny tiny tweaks. We are not judging your parenting parents, BGS parents. Um, I mean, sometimes we are. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but most of the time, if you're like a halfway normal person, we are not judging your parenting We are truly here to help your child. We know that you're here to help your child. And we kind of all need to put our defensiveness to the side and do what's best for our kids. And if only the Wormwoods could have done that.
1: If only. Yep.
0: So until next time, keep geeking out with us on Instagram at Bohemia Geek Studies, on Twitter at Geek Studies. And you can always, always, always email us a picture, thought or question via audio recording or text at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com most importantly tell your friends about this podcast as we find new ways to enjoy our fandoms and teach one another during unprecedented times wands up and keep those pages turning